Homesteads and Homeschools as part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out This Week in Liberpods, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican. Hey there. What you looking at? Is that me? You looking at the radio right now? That's sweet. That's sweet. Welcome back, everyone, to the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. If this is your first time, uh, welcome for the first time. I'm so glad to have you listening in and, and checking this show out. If you haven't already subscribed, go do that now. Hit those buttons, mash those buttons. Make sure you don't miss another episode of this wonderful little pod, and there'll be another one coming out to you on Thursday. It is the last Thursday of the month, so that means I'm going to be telling you a little bit about what's been going on around here. And the homeschool front is uh, rather short, but so much has been going on out there in, in the gardens and the pastures and all that, all that nonsense, all that good stuff, I guess. However you want to cut it. Anyway, come back on Thursday and hit that subscribe button so you will make sure that you come back. Anyway, uh, my guest today is uh, one Mr. Gonzo, and uh, I had him on. He's you know doing his thing, getting his garden going, and uh, just had to talk about. Um, he's got some difficult soil where he is, and he's trying to kind of start start from scratch. And we kind of got into that a little bit how to how to get things going, how to create usable soil, soil that you actually will flourish with. Something that uh, I myself am struggling with at times where, where I am trying to grow on sand and or clay. But uh, yeah, check it out. It will be here momentarily. So let's go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Mr. Gonzo. My guest today is uh, Mr. Gonzo. He's uh, up there in in the northern parts of the country, up there in Ohio. I guess it's kind of northern, right? I don't know, but uh, he does does some homesteading stuff, does some some gardening stuff, and I wanted him to uh, to talk about what he's doing today. Because um, why not? So, Gonzo, thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time, and uh, welcome welcome aboard. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. What do you got going on now? You got a, a garden, a homestead, you got chickens. What, what, your, what does it look like now for you? Um, well, I'm living in kind of a suburban area on almost two acres of, it's half wooded. So I've got basically an acre to work with and I've got uh, gardens and I've got chickens and ducks and good deal. Good deal. Did you um, did you grow up doing that sort of thing? Was that something that you kind of had all of your life, or is it something you got into later on? No, this is uh, an adult phenomenon for me. Um, I've been a survivalist for a long time, but once I had kids, it kind of set in that you know it's not just me 
taking care of myself. I need to be able to provide for, you know, a family. And that got me more into the homesteading and permaculture side of things. So that's, that's where the interest started. Yeah. Those, those kids, they'll do that to you. You realize, you know, you gotta, gotta take care of, uh, instead of just take care of them. Like it, there's a real, you really have to nurture that, you know, um, to, to be able to take care of yourself is one thing to be able to take care of, uh, helpless other beings is, is something else entirely. So I'm kind of curious when you say survivalist, what, what exactly do you mean? Is that like kind of down the, the prepping road? Is that, uh, something else? What, what is that? I've always been, uh, well, for wow, since the late nineties, I've been quote unquote, a prepper. It's just, I used to prep like, you know, I had my bug out bag, I had guns and ammunition, but it wasn't stockpiling because Mm -hmm. I was just, I had to worry about myself. I didn't worry about renewing, you know, I, I have no illusions of grandeur. If things go terribly wrong, I know chances are I'm not going to be there that long. But once I had kids that all, I had to shift my, perspective to something much less doomy (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you uh do you do much of of the prepping sort of thing now still um and they kind of coincide or yeah absolutely it's it's expanded and i'm not i'm not a doomsday prepper i don't you know it's just my biggest fear is one of my kids looking at me and going daddy I'm hungry. And my only response being, I'm sorry, that doesn't seem like a proper parent response to me. Yeah. And that's it. As you know, once you bring kids into it, it's, it, it's this whole other thing that you didn't think about, you know, um, I guess maybe you did think about it, but it's, it's not real until it's, it's, you're there confronted with it, thinking about it, looking at your children. Um, so do you, so you kind of just prep for, I don't know, uh, like, your emergencies kind of thing, like, like power outages and stuff, or are you kind of, I don't know. Um, I try to cover everything I can power outages, natural disasters. I mean, I, I could get snowed in and I could also get hit by a tornado and, you know, the part of the state I live in and, you know, there's, I've tried to handle all contingencies that come to mind, but, once again, in a, it, I've tried to shift out of, it's not out of fear, it's out of responsibility. Yeah. I think that's a, a big, uh, misconception, uh, that a lot of people have, right? That, that this prepping is out of fear and it's, you know, um, misguided and, and really it's just misunderstood. It's, it's not out of fear. It's, it's out of, you know, concern and, and safety and, you know, just, personal well-being I'm, I'm not afraid it's i don't want to have to deal with any of that later um exactly so i it's curious i, I didn't uh, i grew up in like uh, upstate new york so I, i'm used to the snow um, and there'd be a few tornadoes once in a while and i'm down here in georgia and we have tornadoes but we have no snow and it's i don't know there's certain times man that you throw all those inclement weather conditions together sometimes and it's just it, it, it gets crazy it builds up I'm like i don't know I don't know about that. a special case, and it, it makes it tough to grow too because it snowed on May 9th here. Like, I woke up to 
almost two inches of snow and just man i'm supposed to <laughs> i'm supposed to be a lot further than i've been able to get because it's just been too cold and i know it i've lived here my whole life i could put plants in the ground but they'd have been dead yeah yeah so when um when do you start getting plants in the ground i, I feel like growing up it was usually around memorial day is when you kind of started started really getting things in um you get things in a little bit earlier I, I like to, I like to have, you know, at least things well established by the time they're supposed to be planted. I've just found it, it better survival because the summers get really hot, you know, and you spend a couple of weeks above 90 degrees in June and your garden yeah. doesn't, it's just scraggly <laughs> and leggy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that, that's, that's been one of my biggest challenges i think down here is figuring out what to grow in like june july august sometimes september and october you know like when it's really really hot out and just the you know what you what i grew up doing was just doesn't doesn't work you know so uh, yeah i can't imagine shifting climates at this point like i i've been dealing with this for my whole life i've never had to grow somewhere else it's, it's one of those things where like you know i can still during the winter down here, like I can grow a lot of the, all the brassicas and the lettuce and the stuff like that, that I would up North. I just, I have an extra growing season, but it's just a matter of figuring out, um, what and how. And for the most part, it seems like sweet potatoes and okra are, are the thing, but I don't know. Okra is not, not my favorite. No, <laughs> no, yeah. it's good in soup. It's good in soup. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh-huh. We have a project going this summer that, um, to extend our growing capabilities uh we had a couple we had a very bad windstorm this spring and a couple of trampolines in the neighborhood happened to perish in this windstorm so i i talked to the neighbors like hey i'll i'll tear that down for you it's it's bent it's ruined you know i'll I'll get rid of it and they're like yeah please do that and i'm going to use the trampoline frames as hoops for uh a greenhouse and uh you know so that's that's a plan cool i I was going to ask you if you had any sort of like greenhouses or or low tunnels or anything like that that you uh use to get out earlier but uh sounds like you're you're going to (laughs) i i'm working towards it i you know my children are young they're three and four i have twin four-year-olds and a three-year-old so (laughs) i've got you know (laughs) it's been a rough couple years but they're getting to the age now where you know you can come outside and see what we're doing and you know be be cognizant and helpful even which is cool yeah it's it's fun to see that sort of take a turn um it's been we've we've had that challenge you know we have one that's three and a half right now and, and he still doesn't quite understand and he's starting to recognize now like this is a plan. And he'll look at you and he'll ask, where, what am I stepping in? What am I stepping in? And like, he knows he's stepping in something. He knows he shouldn't be there. Um, but, uh, right. yeah. Well, my wife taught the twins last year to recognize the difference between flowers and weeds and they would, uh, help her weed the perennial beds. Nice. It's like, it's like ducks. You gotta, gotta train the ducks to eat the weeds, I guess. Right. Yeah. Figure it out. Do you guys, um, so you guys have perennial beds, then you have a lot or what do you, what do you have in there? Um, basically when we moved into this house, it was 
play and grass and despair. And using, um, there was a lot of standing water because the soil didn't drain and it, it really wasn't conducive to growing. So the first year, uh, my wife, through reading and luck, came up with uh, the, they call it the lasagna method, where you layer mm -hmm. down cardboard and paper and you basically compost the beds that you're going to plant. And so that's how the perennial beds happened was basically trying to reclaim the soil around the house and get some drainage going and amend the soil every year. And yeah, over the time we've got some really cool plants in there. We found uh Liatris that we didn't even uh plant. We found uh Fertilia, which is really cool looking. It's like a, a plaid flower that comes up just after the snow melts and they're really cool. And all this stuff was here. It was just buried under muck. That's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. How, how, um, how long have you guys been there? We've been here for three years. Okay. Year three. Right. Is it, was it like an older house or was it just, Oh yeah. It's, it's every bit of 120 years old. Right on. Right on. Yeah. When I lived in Vermont, we had, I think it was like, 1856 1858 and it was just one of those houses that everybody that lived in it had added on to it you know and yeah exactly one of the ladies that was there like at one point she had just beautiful like flower beds and stuff but it just you know and over time and they kind of get run under and then you find them they pop up little things pop up here it's, it's amazing to find and some that's of that what we've found we've cut back a lot of undergrowth and brush and there's just beds of lilies and there's day lilies and uh, honey well the honeysuckle is probably not on purpose but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, trumpet vines was what i was trying to say there's trumpet vines everywhere and that's not typical for this area that's that's neat that's um that's fun it's fun so the the soil is that just your soil up there or is that because it had been I don't know, abused over time? Um, honestly, I would say that the, where I'm at now, hadn't seen fertilizer since, I don't know, the 80s, the 90s. Like, it was just neglected. It wasn't, like, uh, abused or strip-mined or, you know, uh, monoculture. None of that. It's just been a residential neighborhood for 100 years. and Gotcha. Yeah. Didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that. <laughs> did you guys do any any soil testing type stuff, or did you just kind of work no, from the ground up? Yeah, I I dug a hole and I noticed that it was closer to play-doh than soil, and <laughs> <laughs> that was all the soil testing I needed. Um, I I've become more into outdoor gardening, but I've always been into growing plants. So I understood what they required and they just simply weren't getting it. Right. Right. So what do you guys amend with then? I know you did the, the lasagna garden that kind of helped some. Do you, you still adding cardboard and stuff or, or? Absolutely. Yeah. Usually when um, my wife decides she's going to take over an area, <laughs> you'll notice because she'll drag a tarp over it and kind of bake the grass gone. And then 
then the cardboard starts and she'll start mounding up cardboard and weighing it down with rocks that she picked out of her beds and watering it. And she starts composting the area and, you know, it's kind of a good indicator that she has a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still do that. How does, how does it work for you guys? It, it works. I, I was shocked. I thought she had lost her marbles. I was like, why is there, why is there garbage all over the yard? And she was like, don't question me. I know what I'm doing. And I was like, all right, good enough. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, she just throws garbage soil and plant matter on top of the cardboard. It rots. She adds some more cardboard and then, she had a bed that was probably a foot and a half deep with just this process. And we ended up putting the chicken run there. So she got to move all that soil. And the interesting thing that she didn't dig down, you know, she didn't, and the soil underneath the, uh, the composting was gorgeous. Like it did leach down. It did break up the clay and, you know, it, it does improve nasty, neglected soil. I, I'm, I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know a few people that have done that. We tried it one year. Um, we're kind of, all right. The house we're in is, it used to be a old, like not old, uh, the guy that had it before us had cows. So there's a lot of field and, um, man, the wind came through and just got under the lip of the cardboard and just pulled it right up and I thought we were safe. I thought we had it all like staked down and, and covered and nope, there's cardboard like flying across the back. <laughs> I was like, oh, gotta take care of that. But um do you guys do any any other um amendment type processes or anything? Absolute peat moss is excellent for it's it's great for water retention and it's great for breaking up clay. Um throw a little bit of peat moss sand perlite and mushroom compost is great great stuff for taking the the very gross soil and turning it into something yeah. useful what i'm kind of what what is this a mushroom compost can you, you mentioned it before when we were, we were talking but um Sure. I don't know what it, it, it's. it's I, I, I've never, I've never heard of it before. I mean, I guess it makes sense now, um, but I'm kind of curious what that, what that is, and how it's, how it's helped or what it's done. All right. Um, basically, when they grow mushrooms commercially, they grow them in a medium that, um, you know, they only use one time because you have to properly grow mushrooms. It has to be a semi-sterile environment. So they use the medium one time to grow mushrooms. When they harvest the mushrooms, they discard the medium and they take that and they compost it for a year, you know, and then they bag it and they sell it. So there's a fungus uses different nutrients than, uh, you know, our, our produce is typically going to use. So it has a lot of nutrients. Your NPK nutrients are there and it's, just really rich fertilizer it's really rich compost and it's great fertilizer and it's organic you know i I tend to stick to uh well i only use organically derived things i don't use chemicals um and mushroom compost is a great place to start off because yeah it's just a great starting place you know 
It's curious. I, I'm I'm familiar with with growing mushrooms and and that process. It just and it it makes sense. That's what I, I've done in the past. We've kind of grown some oysters here or there, or whatever. Um, just toss the the remnants in the garden. Um, but I I did not know that it was like a commercially viable venture. Um, but I guess it's just kind of a a byproduct, a wa- almost a, a waste product, if you will, that uh, gets bagged up. Is, is it like broken down like soil, or is it? Um- all airy and still white mycelium or like what, what i would say that it's most like if you were to buy composted um manure but fluffier it's still dense it still retains moisture actually it's not crumbly so much it's like a it's a like the best compost man that's the best way i can put it that's cool i'm gonna have to i have to pick pick myself up some of that we're uh Having some some nutrient issues in in our garden this year, kind of we cleaned out the chicken coop from I don't know it's been years since it had been cleaned out last, and it was probably cow crap in there and everything. But uh, thought that was going to be enough this year, and apparently it's it's not. So I'm going to try some of that stuff. Oh, I, I think it'll do you well, man. I, hopefully, hopefully, you guys. Um, you got I know you say you had chickens. Yeah, we have a dozen chickens, uh, three different breeds, and we have four ducks. Ooh, ducks, ducks. <laughs> Do your uh, your neighbors complain about the chickens? Is that something you have to worry about? Um, well, we don't have. We just started our backyard flock like this this spring is when things you know that stage of the plan came into effect, and we've got. I think one excited neighbor and one neutral neighbor, but you know, it's, it's not like I'm doing this on a quarter acre. Right. These are, you know, almost two acre lots. So I hear, I hear my, uh, one of our neighbors has a, or had a donkey and they're probably like a quarter mile away. The donkey was, and man, you could hear that thing in the morning, like he hawing out there. And it was just, it's one of those things, you know, you just, you learn to live with, noises it's it's a i'd rather hear that than a bunch of honking cars so right and i mean exactly you put it perfectly so uh what uh i guess what kind of what kind of chickens what what three breeds did you come up with um we got amber links we have uh they're just sex links layer chickens um we have jersey giants and we have americanas so mixed flock for the chickens. And what kind of what kind of ducks do you have? Peckins or peckins. Okay. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. Do you, so, are you going to use them for eggs? Are they going to be eventual meat products or? Um, as far as the ducks go, I definitely want their eggs, and I would like a laying pair because I, with the speed that these birds grow, mm-hmm. I mean they're giant, and I. It hasn't cost me that much in feed. It's cost me less in feed than it would to go buy duck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would definitely consider raising them for meat. And I'm curious to see if these Jersey Giants, they're supposed to be, they were originally bred to compete with turkeys. Like these are <laughs> big chickens. So I'm curious to see if, you know, that's, if the juice is worth the squeeze there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not adverse to meat birds at all. Yeah, it's a uh, we we always kind of when we would get our chickens, we just get like uh, you know twenty chickens straight run, and and 
butcher a bunch of the males. Um, and it was always tough because the biggest thing is like learning how to cook a, a heritage type chicken. You know, you're so used to what you get in the store. Uh, once you kind of figure that out, it wasn't wasn't bad. It was, since then, we've moved to the uh, the Cornish crosses. We've been doing those guys because they're just I don't know in and out in eight weeks, fairly easy. And uh, the the wife is more right. Next year, I'm definitely getting some meat birds. Just you know raised for that purpose but this year i wanted to get the laying flock and if there's boys they gotta go yeah and and that's what's great about it like once you can get that that sort of sustainable flock or once they start hatching out um you know you have that it's a it's a meat source and whereas the the crosses um i've not figured out how to do that yet i haven't talked to anybody that's figured out how to get the same cross that you get from a, a hatchery um i'm not sure how they do it whether what what kind of back breeding they do or whatever but um so do you have water for your ducks do you have a pool do you have a pond curious about that um yes i what i did was i basically built the ducks a pen that was big enough because there's only four of them so i'd say that the pen is probably 30 feet square okay and i dug a hole and put a kiddie pool in the ground so it was you know level with the ground and put bricks in it so that they didn't drown and they're fine with it i have a transfer pump and i kind of it's i i'm not sure i'd call it aquaponics because fish aren't involved but there is poop in the water and i'm using a transfer pump to put it onto the uh garden the raised bed that we have that has greens in it kind of get them jump started yeah yeah that's the one thing i've heard about ducks we have a long story we have two ducks i keep it short we have two ducks that um the two male ducks they don't do anything they just squawk and make noise but um that's my biggest issue is, is the pool like we have a little kitty pool for them and they just it gets so nasty and so mucked up and just gross um and you, know, you dump it out in the garden and it, it helps i think to some degree and but it's almost i I don't know i wish i could have a pond if i could have a pond i think ducks would be a whole lot um easier of a venture uh, to to swallow my plan moving forward i i've never raised i mean i i bred pit bulls and chinchillas Mm -hmm. when as a younger man but i've never actually done livestock so this is kind of a a new thing for me and i want to get used to it I did my research, you know, and my plan was to give them a place that was good enough. Mm-hmm. While, you know, I see how, you know, if I want to continue raising them, yeah, I'll absolutely put in the effort to dig them a pond and, you know, go from there. But I just want to raise them humanely. It's it's a preparation, not a pet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. it's And you can, I think you can, you, I know people that do it with, kiddie pools and stuff i just for me it was just it's too much too much effort <laughs> too much work it is but, uh, but the way i the way i flipped that was you know what i'll throw a transfer pump at the bottom of that pole and just use it as fertilizer because that's valuable to me yeah i feed you what do you do for me yep yeah i know fertilizer yeah i have to, to look into that let see if i can rig something up you guys have to deal with any any predators getting in your yard then um, we have hawks, but the way that the property is treed, they can't really dive. So I haven't yet, but I have, I, I have, uh, I have my eye on them. Yeah. 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 
I hear you. We, we've lost a few to, to hawks here and there and foxes, whatnot. It's never, never fun. Never fun, but uh, it, it happens inevitably um, at some point along the line. So, uh, I don't know, what, uh, what do you guys got in your garden? Or what do you, what do you hope to grow in your garden this year? I guess you don't have it. Do you, ha- you don't have it planted yet, but, um, um, we have a lot of certs. We have the greens bed planted and, um, we're doing beans, cucumbers, tomatoes, peppers, all the usual things. Um, basically I said that I, we don't have infinite funds for my prepper pantry. So mm-hmm. we need to grow and can my prepper pantry and you know, it's the, it's the economical and healthier way of doing things. So I kind of like that. Yeah, for sure. It is for sure. Do you, uh, where do you get your seeds from? Um, honestly, I, I was a bad human about that. <laughs> we, we, we had some seeds around and then I had the scour stores for heirloom, anything I could find. And the seeds that we don't put in the ground will be, you know, I'll throw uh, oxygen remover in a mason jar with them and they will be saved and planted next year if they grow well this year. So I'm, I kind of tried to build a stock of heirloom seeds from what I had and what I could buy and we'll see how it does. You know, this is, this is early days for the, it's, it's kind of uh, grand to call it a homestead, but I'm trying to implement homesteading practices and, permaculture practices in a suburban setting because I mean that's what a lot of people have to deal with and if I can do that and have good results maybe I can help other people do it because you know times are kind of uncertain and people might need that knowledge yeah for sure and and like you don't you don't wake up one day and have a homestead you know um it's it's I think too costly to just pour all that money in up front and jump in with both feet unless like, you know, you have the the time to put into that. But most of us are, you know, you're you're working another job. You got kids running around. There's there's stuff going on and it's a slow build and, and one day you kinda get there and you realize like, holy crap, I got a bunch of those things, all those little goals that I wanted to accomplish. Look look what I've I've done, you know, and yeah, when you can share it with other people, that's like a beautiful thing, you know. Um, yeah and that was we we both kind of decided like look i'm tired of talking about doing this let's just do it and go buy the chickens because you know i'm not going to build a chicken coop if there's not chickens looking at me you know (laughs) yep i've got i've got three kids at a full-time job i'm not a recreational woodworker but when there's chickens looking at me suddenly there's that element of why aren't you out working? Why aren't you, you know, getting this done? And that, yeah, that has been very helpful to, to light the fire as it were to just, you know, work yourself up there and then do it. Yeah. You really gotta, the, sometimes that sense of urgency, uh, that they, they create, uh, is, is what you need to, to get out there and do it. Uh, we got some turkeys now that I have to, I have to work on another, another, coop tractor thing for them uh, I, I saw you were looking at tractor uh ideas on your discord yeah yeah trying um you know just so much so much going on our, our little one is um i don't know he got into one of the the 
brewed her the other day and, and squeezed a, a chick to death, you know, and it's kind of like, so, okay, so we gotta, we gotta figure this out. What used to work does not work anymore. So, uh, you know, new, what, what do we have to do now? But, um, it is, is what it is, I guess. When we first got the ducks, one of my twins thought the proper way to deal with a baby duck was simply to grab it by the head. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's why, and you know, when they're little, they, they don't realize it quite yet. You know, like we, we used to do meat rabbits and my daughter who's, oh God, uh, seven, I think she's seven now. <laughs> um, you know, she's like this, she's a, animal lover like she it just it's it's, she's really bent out of shape when like animals die um and she knows and she's part of it and she you know was there when we butchered the turkeys and the chicken stuff but when she was like two years old she had a baby rabbit um because we did meat rabbits and and she ended up i don't know breaking its neck or squeezing it or doing something and it died and she like didn't realize it had died and i was just (laughs) "Ah, put it away put it away it's okay it's fine you know but uh uh, it, it it can happen, you know. It happens, and they learn, and you learn, and I guess that's that's the way of it. That's that's kids, right? They are uh, constantly learning. So, how was your experience with meat rabbits? Because that's kind of the next puzzle piece that I'm looking at. I I love um, meat rabbits. Uh, I, I if if it wasn't so hot down here, um, we'd do it again for sure. But uh, just the heat kind of keeps us down. Um, I was breeding them. I want to say every, every six weeks I had a trio. Um, and so they'd throw a litter and then I'd breed them back in, in two weeks. Um, and then take the babies out, I think around three weeks. And I mean, you just plenty of meat, um, the fertilizer, unlike, you know, chickens where you got to kind of break it down. So it's not so hot. You can't just put it on the garden rabbit crap. You just throw right on the garden. Um, they don't smell as bad. It's quieter. There's, you know, if you keep them in, in hutches instead of a colony, it's it's a little bit smaller, I think. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked them a lot better and easier to dress out. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah, I that's that checks out with all my research. And, you know, Ohio, there's there's a hot month or two. But I think I think this would be a good climate for rabbits. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if, if that's if you're looking, I think, for for me on a you know, not, not like cows and stuff like that, but smaller animals. I think that's definitely the way to go. Um, you know, is to, to have rabbits. They don't, don't eat a whole lot. They get big quick and, uh, they're easy, but, uh, all right, man. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, any, any place people can find you if they want, uh, any websites or any, anything like that? Um, I am, I guess I guess the best place that you get a hold of me is uh, on Twitter. I'm at Gonzo zero one two zero one. All right, that's it. Otherwise, you find me on Discord. Good deal. All right, I will. I'll throw that in the show notes. Um, I don't know. I have some questions about mushroom fertilizer or whatever. That's that's a, it's just it's mind blowing. I don't know why it's so like sets me off, but it's like well, well I, things I didn't know, but. All right, oh, man. Great stuff, man. <laughs> it was to, great talking to you. you. Thank you. You too, man. Thanks.
And here I go again. My voice rambling some more by itself. Wonderful times. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, really curious to check out some of this uh, mushroom fertilizer compost stuff. I've never never heard of such things, but I love mushrooms, so that uh, it must be good. All right, mushrooms are are an amazing component to life that uh, are often overlooked. So always fun when you see them being used for things that uh, I don't know, seem kind of different ways to use them, right? Not your typical food item. Like I said at the top of the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss future airings of this show. Make sure to go leave a review on iTunes because that, that will help. Uh, you can hit the five stars or actually type some words into there. Uh, also useful. Find me on Twitter at HS and HS Pod or go check out the Discord server. Uh, getting a little bit of new blood in there. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of growing slowly, slowly. If you went and joined, it would grow even quicker and uh, there would be more information, more knowledge to share with everyone because that's, that's really what it's all about. You know, just trying to create that little bit of a community, a little bit of uh, ideas that uh, we can share, questions we can ask because no one's an expert in everything and, and it helps to get advice and, and bounce ideas off people who have maybe done things before and uh, it's good to have those those people around. Anyway, uh, yeah, you can also shoot me an email, homesteadsandhomeschools at gmail.com. If you have ideas for guests or uh, topics you would like to see covered or directions you want to see this show go, uh, please let me know. So you can go check out on YouTube. Uh, I started to upload some videos. You know, Libsyn always kicks it over, um, but the last two I actually have put the uh, video interview up. So go check those out if that's your thing. You know, and if not, that's cool too. And of course, don't forget to go to the show notes and check those out at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 070. And uh, when you're you're going to Amazon, click through our link there, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon. It, uh, it will give me a little bit of a kickback for uh, for whatever you order or whatever you order. And I think that link lasts for 24 hours. Uh, so after that, click it again, do it again, and send me like 2% of whatever you buy. But it's something, right? It's something. Or you can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie and uh, yeah, do something there. Anyway, guys, I, I appreciate it. Come back on Thursday and I will be telling you all about chickens and goats and turkeys and children because there are always, always so many stories to tell. So enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy your Wednesday. And I will see you back here on Thursday. Don't forget, in the meantime... Get out there. Go sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together.